Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, and the matchup we'll be getting into today is 2007's American Gangster versus 2002's City of God. Keenan, my man, how are we doing today? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. You? Not too bad. I've been saying that all day to anyone that will listen, and considering... It's a mainly female office I've got. Some Not confused great faces. No. Yeah. But if you want to uh, be like Denzel, speak like Denzel, you got you got to feel it. And uh, I've been feeling like Frank Lucas today. I want to get out in front of this early as well. I've been speaking about this film since earlier in the week. I keep saying Frank White, which is King of New York. Mm-hmm. So if that slip up does happen today look i've pre-warned you um not much news of the week this week but we'll get into it just to kick things off jonah hill will direct keanu reeves in new movie outcome got a synopsis no, it's okay. all kept very under wraps, but that's quite a cool partnership. Mm, we were talking about Jonah Hill last week, just yeah, one of uh, Hollywood's good guys. Yeah, it might be. We'll see. And Keanu Reeves, he's doing a bit of everything at the moment. He's on the time of his life. Legend. A Grand Theft Auto movie was pitched to the game's creators shortly after the release of GTA 3 but Rockstar rejected it. Eminem was pitched a star and Tony Scott was set to direct. I think it just would have become a generic... I think it would have been very generic. Yeah, I think if they were going to do one, they'd probably be better off... By City would have been the game. Yeah, even... I mean, I wouldn't be mad at them just doing GTA 5. Like, we all know the story, but you could dramatise that in some way. And I'd rather it be at least one of the games than... Do you know there's a Gran Turismo film coming out? What the hell can you do as a Gran Turismo film? It's literally a game. You don't even know the drivers. You're just in the car. They did the same Need for Speed. Yeah. I'd much rather them just take one of these stories already. Yeah, so would I. I think Vice City would have been your best one. Yeah, it would probably be called a Miami Vice ripoff or whatever. But then I saw, I don't remember it being that way at the time, but I'd not seen it at the time. GTA 5 just gets compared to being a ripoff of Heat, but I don't really see that. I don't know if you... Certain bits. I think that's basically because you've probably got a geezer in a suit running around with us and a salt <laughs> rifle and a bag full of money. <laughs> but I get what they're saying. Not to the point where it would feel like a ripoff, I don't think. No. Uh, Depends on how they produce it, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, Quentin Tarantino calls the modern era of movies the worst era in Hollywood history. 
yeah, I'd probably agree. He then he then said the 1950s was the next worst. So I don't not sure how versed we are to compare them, but ah, no, sounds no, like yeah. the man's done his research. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm not a lover of modern cinema. No, no. Usually, I mean, for for few people other than myself, I used to I used to love doing top tens at the end of the year, just like yeah. every other major outlet, like the best films I've seen this year, the best albums or whatever. Films the last couple of years, I've been struggling to find ten new ones that I particularly enjoyed, or if I, it was basically just ten that I've seen more than mm. like I'm stacking them up and I'm giving notable mentions and all of this kind of thing. Quite depressing. Um, went to see Black Panther last week. Didn't be two hours forty one minutes long. There was there is no need for any Black Panther film to be that length of time. No comment. I don't know what the plot is. Um, so Namor is the villain he's kind of an underwater underwater civilization and Vibranium is how their civilization came about and when the western powers are trying to track down Vibranium for their own use it takes them there and they're basically saying you need to get rid of them or we're going to get onto you and Obviously, they're trying to handle Chadwick Boseman not being there, and so mm. on. yeah. So I do think a lot of the criticism is going to be a lot kinder yes. because it's like a, a posthumous album. <laughs> it's harder to critique someone where they aren't here anymore. But and, I mean, <clears throat> technically, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. I, I was waiting for that, but yeah, that's never the way it's going to go down in the reviews and things. No, it's not. No. And finally. Uh, John Leguizamo, my uh, arch nemesis, mm-hmm. is continuing to criticise the Super Mario Brothers casting of Chris Pratt. What are your thoughts? <laughs> he says it's not diverse enough. <laughs> Why is there a fucking Super Mario Brothers film? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> That's the fucking like it's up there with the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Oh fucking hell. Like <clears throat> this this is the shit Quentin Tarantino was talking about, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Like what the fuck are we doing at this point? But do you think that if they are gonna do it, then it should be an Italian playing Mario? Or <laughs> is that is that not something that's concerning you? <laughs> I mean the game's created by Japanese people, right? Yeah, yeah. So the whole fucking the whole idea of Mario was taken from a fucking stereotype that the Japanese that no disrespect them is that Japanese creators had of Mario in when nineteen eighty three. Yeah, I'll take well, your word for it. I have no idea. I've just picked a number, but I, yeah. I'm guessing it. Was, <laughs> That's what we do here. I I like. Do you know what I mean Mario is older than I am? Yeah, or older than we are. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's really tickled me, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, the, gosh, does anyone give it? Like, I mean, obviously, no. John Leguizamo does. Do you give a fuck? So I think Mario? they were going to do a film previously, and basically he was going to be cast in it. And then uh, okay. this was like in like way back in the 90s or whatever. Mm. And then he faced some pushback because his face didn't match or whatever. And so I think he's carried that over. Okay. But I'll be honest. I see these kind of stories and I never delve too far into them. So maybe I'm showing some ignorance there. 
I mean, the worst thing is, I, I, if can you name me two Italian actors who can go and be Mario and Luigi? We could go Italian American, I guess. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that 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 would be the closest I can get you. So yeah, not not a clue otherwise. I also saw, and I've not taken this headline down, so I can't give you names. Basically, there was a guy who played a guy in a wheelchair in Glee back in 2009. And he said, if they bring it back, I wouldn't play the same character um, because we know things now that we didn't back then. And we know that's not okay because he's not actually disabled. Do we know anything different now? Do we, I, I feel like we've not learned anything new. I, I, I don't know how big an issue I'd like. I mean, it's easy for me to say it as essentially... <clears throat> As a white bloke, it's probably really easy for me to say, but I mean, I, I, I don't know how big a deal it is. I don't, I, I'm not fussed who plays, like, there are very few parts that you could be like, oh, such and such is playing, oh, it's outrageous, unless I didn't think they could do it on an acting level. Yeah, like I said to you before, we do we do our casting what ifs. I've never, I've never said, no, nah, he can't play it because he's a black guy. It's a fucking lunacy. There's are they a good? Are they a good actor? Yes. Okay. Cool. I I can see with some. So I. I Grant, think by Grant, the way, there are so, there are some there are some exceptions. Like if they said Chris Pratt was taken over from Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Or I was going to say if they wanted if they wanted to make a film about Stevie Wonder and they said Chris Pratt was going to be in it, I'd say that's probably not wise. The one that I've thought about before, and I can't remember what film it was. So there was a film that was centered around a deaf character. Yeah. And the main character was then going to be imitating the voice. And there's no nice way to say it, but like the voice of a deaf person kind of thing. Yeah, you know? that, it's not a great look. That. No. <laughs> so with them, I can, I can understand why someone that is hearing impaired would say, and if there is, there's so many actors out there that could do this, you don't need to get someone to imitate what we're doing. But I mean, uh, I'm not sure we're losing sleep over who's playing Mario. No, for the most part, like I'm just not I, I, like I think things that are historically accurate should be should be a historical accuracy, right? Yeah, and it's the same with like that that part I get. If someone was white, it, like if someone was black it, or someone was Asian, then yes, it should be like it should be a black person, an Asian person who plays them, but. We are talking about a fictional character. It was like the other. Yeah. Do you see the other week when uh, when they were bringing out that Lord of the Rings TV show and people were just booting yeah. off because they were like, "Yeah, there's like black dwarfs or something," and yeah, someone was like, "Yeah, it's not. It's not accurate." Yeah, yeah. yeah I, was, I was like, "Oh, it's, it's not accurate. It's a fucking fictional story." Yeah, like you know what I mean? Just oh, man, people have just got too much time on that. <laughs> Kill the fuck out. Well, let's get on to American Gangster, who fortunately wasn't played by Chris Pratt. <laughs> um, it did go to Denzel, but that is our first film a day, and we'll get straight into it. Whose house is that, Frank? That is your house, Mama. Mine. From Ridley Scott, the director of Gladiator and Black Hawk Down. Who we want is Frank Lucas and Academy Award-winning producer Brian Brazer. We're family, so we can't never forget where we came from. Academy Award winners Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe based on a story as powerful as it is true. American Gangster. It all starts Friday. 
An outcast New York City cop is charged with bringing down Harlem drug lord Frank Lucas, whose real life inspired this partly biographical film. We've done this a few times now, haven't we, where they're more upfront with the, this is kind of a true story. Yeah, we've nicked a couple of names. Um, Do you want that? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into some parts of that. I usually don't have an issue when you kind of... So when we did... I'm trying to think of an example. Something like Black Mass. Mm. And there's like four or five other people that were involved and you condensed them down to one character. Yeah. who Where they all played a little part and you basically condense it down. Usually mm-hmm. no issue with that. I, I guess if you, if the film's good, the film's good is usually the way we say about it, isn't it? That I quite yeah. like looking up what's truth and what's fiction afterwards. And sometimes we say, oh, it's annoying you didn't include that in the film. Or, okay, I can see why you changed certain things there. I guess yeah. Ridley Scott, you trust him on this one. And the fact that um, Frank Lucas and, uh, what's his name, Richie were involved in this. Mm-hmm. Richie Roberts. Yeah. I think if they had too great of an issue, they'd have told us. Uh, yeah, you'd assume so. What do you think the critics thought of this? 7.2 out of 10. Hold on to that, because I'm going to ask you about some ratings in a moment. Um, okay. Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe deliver unbeatable performances with keen character development and a detailed screenplay. American Gangster is a modestly flawed yet consistently entertaining crime drama. A highly entertaining crime epic that may feel a little familiar, but succeeds thanks to the star power of its two leads. American Gangster is an epic true crime drama that, although not entirely original in its premise, is excellent in its execution. And finally, Washington may not have wanted to glorify the Harlem drug dealer, but with his superb acting skills, he's created one of the coolest gangsters since Tony Montana. It's a big problem about asking Denzel to play a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. It is, isn't it? Denzel, yeah. just whatever, I don't know what word you want to use to describe him, but essentially Denzel Washington just in his actual presence. Yeah. It's just cool as fuck. So well, We, we spoke, around. didn't we, about that clip that came out of him in the neighbourhood speaking to the child, and he said something mm. like... Uh, you don't know who I am, but you're going to know one day or something like that. And we yeah. were saying, like, anyone else saying that and you sound like an asshole and from him, it's like the coolest thing anyone's ever said. It is, man. There's like the, the clip on from around the way. It's not even saying anything. <laughs> yeah. it, it's not even saying anything really that interesting. And yet it sounds like one of, it's one of the best quotes I've ever heard. Yeah. So Denzel basically said it wasn't just about Frank Lucas to why he took this role. He said, it was as much about two characters. The one man appears to be so straight and honest in his police work is so dishonest in his private life. And another man who appears to be so dishonest in his work life is so honest in his private life. And how these two guys came together and actually to this day are still friends. I thought it was an excellent opportunity to work with a great actor again and actually a great filmmaker and to be in my hometown. Did you know that? That Richie is the godparent to Frank Lucas's son. What? Yeah. Mental. Yeah. I, I, like, I, was, I was, can't remember what I was watching. Uh, I was watching 
Um, I can't remember what it was, and they were talking, it was about sort of the police, about sort of gangsters and police officers. It was a podcast I was watching, and they were just like, Look, I, I never, the bloke just said, Look, I never got angry, I never got angry at the police, I never wanted to kill any of them. He was like, Look, they were doing their job. It was their, they, they, they had to do their job. I had to, it was their job to catch me, it was my job not to get caught. I was sort of the fair, fair attitude, and I sort of the way that Frank Lucas went about it, wasn't it? Yeah. Now, a little game for you here. Because I do, I know you've been good with these ratings recently. I'm going to give you a Denzel film, uh, and you tell me if it's rated higher or lower on IMDb than American Gangster. Okay. Malcolm X. Uh, I, I'm going to say lower. Correct. He got game. I don't even know what that is. Basketball one. There's uh, a lot of these, so... Uh, Lower? Yeah. The Hurricane. Lower. Correct. Remember the Titans? Fucking better be higher. But it's, it's the exact same. Okay. Training you know, Day? You know how much I love that film. Uh, training Day's higher. Lower. Okay. Man on Fire? Lower. Correct. Inside Man? Lower. Correct. The equalizer? Higher. Lower. And mm. finally, the tragedy of Macbeth. Lower? Lower. This was the, the highest, highest... Rate, is rated Denzel Washington film. Yeah, I should yeah. have figured that out. I, <laughs> I, I, I thought I was going to be your answer after about four, but then I was like, surely. So well, I actually I actually went into this hoping it would be the middle ground and then I was going to take one of the others as a basis but there's a couple like this is rated 7.8 on IMDb 7.2 not bad how is that the highest rated Denzel film so as far as I could see and I went through a fair amount of them this is the highest I found no 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 I'm, not, I'm sorry that's not my question if, if that so it, 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 this is it's surprising to me too yeah sorry it makes it sound like I'm knocking this film I'm not what I'm saying is some of the films you've listed out there like you know, sometimes we, we've spoken where people just kind of decide beforehand this is an Oscar-nominated film. Mm. Like, his mum in this film, who's hardly in it, she got an Oscar nomination for this. I don't know. I, this is the problem. This is one of her problems. This is one of her problems with cinema. It's like some of those films you've listed off there. If they're just, if people are just not rating them, what if, what, where's people's incentives going to make them? So 7.8 this has. Um, Malcolm X, Trading Day, Man on Fire are all 7.7. The Hurricane and Inside Man are 7.6. And then you've got like Flight 7.3, The Equalizer 7.2, Macbeth 7.1. Yeah, I forgot about Flight. It's a good film. Deja Vu 7.1. Safe House 6.7. Two Guns 6.7. Two Guns was just my man taking a paycheck. But a very enjoyable film. It's bad time. I think we might have that next week. <laughs> hey, I, very, I, I really enjoy it. In there with LA. She might be Safe House next week. One of the two. In with LA Confidential. Mm. So, back to this then. Well, I'll rip you through some of the trivia and then we'll talk about it in a bit more depth. So, in the Madison Square Garden sequence... Only 650 of the spectators on camera were, on camera were real extras. Um, the other 1,500 were just inflatable dummies. 
cheap, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. So Frank Lucas says he was excited about the film, particularly knowing that Denzel was going to be playing himself. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, he admitted that only a small portion of the film was true and that much of it was fabricated for dramatic effect. Yeah. Similarly, Richie Roberts criticised the film for its inaccuracy, said it made Lucas too noble. Yeah, I get that. This script or screenplay, sorry, was out there for so long. David Fincher was interested in making the film back when the script was still titled Superfly, but they couldn't agree on a budget for the film, and so he went to do other endeavours. It's turned out all right for him, to be fair. Yeah, you think it'd be a lot darker if he got his hands on it as well. Uh, James Gandolfini was offered the role of Detective Trupo. Mm. He turned it down. Um, Antoine Fuqua, who's never far away from being linked to a Denzel project. He was attached for a while. He was pursuing Ray Liotta for the role of Josh Brolin. Yeah. For Josh Brolin's role, sorry. John C. Riley for the Russell Crowe role. He's actually a serious actor. We don't know him, is it? No, no, yeah. He's actually just a, a very, very talented, serious actor. He just happens to be very funny as well. Just not the name I expected to see there. Like Josh Brolin, Ray Liotta roles kind of do go hand in hand these days. Seeing John C. Riley, Russell Crowe, I mean, not what I'd have expected. No, I get you. Essentially, they say the cast that he wanted, the budget that was there at the time, they they wouldn't agree to it. And so uh, Universal said, apologies, but uh, see you later. Hmm. He also, so, sorry, let me just check this. Okay, Fuqua was attached twice, both times, budgetary issues. The first time around, it was going to be Del Toro, in, and then it's Liotta the next time around. Okay. The one time when it's Del Toro, they get far down the line in 2004, but production halts one month before shooting was going to start. Right. Both Washington and Del Toro, They've got fantastic agents, let me tell you. They had a clause in their contract that whether this film gets made or not, we receive our pay in full. So Denzel think... got twenty million to not make the film. So you're telling me Denzel double dipped on this? So Denzel, when it goes to get remade, he says, Fine, I'll do it for ten. <laughs> He's from round the way. Del Toro gets five million for no work, never gets made. That's superb. Denzel has always said he's leaving there with something. <laughs> yeah. Um, the story was first inspired by an article in the New York magazine written by Mark Jacobson. He was introduced to the real Frank Lucas by Nick Pelleggi, who's just got his fingers in the pies of just... Every criminal in New York. <laughs> ever. Unbelievable. I saw him get a shout out in the credits and then I looked to see just how involved he was. And yeah, he's the one who gets the whole thing in motion. Legend. Unbelievable bloke. Terry George, the screenwriter, was asked to rewrite the script. All of this is about budget, by the way. He wants them, they ask him to downsize the script so they can make it for 50 million all in. Yeah. He was planning to get Don Cheadle in the role of Frank Lucas and Joaquin Phoenix in the role of Richie Roberts. One of those castings, I think, is better than the other. 
You prefer Joaquin? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I just I, I, I see Don Cheadle as a comedic actor these days. Yeah, well, I just see him as um, what's his name in Iron Man. Yeah, Broder. Yeah. No, I just think he's very like he is very funny. He's very good at it. But I think Oceans. I think the Black Friday thing he did on uh, he did on TV about the financial crash and the other one he did about the uh, consultancy firm. Um, very funny stuff. Like really, really funny actually. I saw that the guy that wrote the big short, yeah, is essentially just following around one of these crypto bros around the world at the moment, and everyone bar this guy can see exactly why he's following him around and writing a new book mm. and this guy thinks it's just because of what a fantastic uh trader he is and i'm sure that'll be great when it comes out mm. i mean i will buy i mean i really enjoyed the big short yeah. as a book so something that they don't touch on in the film probably understandably frank lucas was originally selling heroin supplies to his organization from the genovese crime family mm. And it's through his cousin, Ike Atkinson, that he finds another source of heroin in Southeast Asia. Yeah. His cousin pays off a debt to the family, and that's how he's able to go free and start on his own. Because for a three-hour film, I watched the extended edition of this. I did not. No, I didn't realize I was until I was. A lot of details, not even are just skipped over there they're missed out and he kind of goes very quickly to it's just that he finds a source and then all of a sudden he's just the drugs kingpin of new york yeah yeah um which of you frank lucas you're probably a little bit annoyed about yeah yeah because he's put a lot of i'm not saying i'm not saying it's good graft i'm just saying he's put a lot of grafting over the years to get himself to that position and basically you'll make it look as though he's a He's basically just a, a victim. A, like he, he just gets lucky. Well, Richie Roberts was interviewed while the film while the filming was taking place, and he said, "Frank Lucas is having so much fun that I want to arrest him again." <laughs> and just finally, in the epilogue, they say that Frank Lucas serves fifteen years of his seventy-year sentence, and then comes out. It was broken down differently than that. He first serves five years in prison. He's released in 1981 and he has a lifetime of parole. And then in 1984, he's arrested for violating his parole while attempting to exchange one ounce of heroin and 13,000 for one kilo of cocaine. And then he's sent back for seven years and comes out in 91. Can't give up the game. No. And he says that in, in the end of the film, doesn't he? He says, you yeah. know, I can make one call. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. I'm just trying to which way around we'll do this. You think if the Genovese were involved in the nineties they still <laughs> I'm sure they would have still been knocking I'm sure they're still knocking drug out today, those of them that are still around. Yeah. Um my first question to you, does this feel like a Ridley Scott film? No. No, it doesn't. Because we know him, don't we, as kind of I think we heard him described when we did Gladiator as a world builder. And mm. from Gladiator to Prometheus, was the story too insulated for him to be able to do that? Or could he have still done a better job at creating this world around Frank Lucas? I don't know. Does it need it? What? 
we spoke last week about when you have a director and you know what you're going to get from said director and that's why you go to see their films. Is that not something that comes in with a Ridley Scott film? That's not what I'm asking, though. Does this particular film need it? I don't think it does. What world uh, do you want him to create? Um. Well, at, at the end, in the epilogue, we hear that over $250 million was seed from Frank's operation. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that Scott did nearly enough to make us aware of the scale of what we were dealing with. And I think maybe he could have built some more colour around what we had. But then the story is quite insulated due to the nature of Lucas and how he needed to survive in the game. So I do understand. Everything is kind of greyed out. And so maybe that just makes everything feel a a bit less otherworldly. Yeah, I I can't say. I'd be lying if I said to you I, I missed that. I missed that. I don't. Um, I'd never really. I to be honest, with you, I'd never even considered it. Okay. Well, if this works, I'm going to play you some moments from the film, and I'm going to ask you about Denzel's performance and your thoughts on the okay. scene in general. So uh, we'll start nice and easy. Where's my money? Red Top gave you the package. He's supposed to hand me my money. Here's a jar right here, 20%. Oh, you got the jar? That's right. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, Frank. Oh, what you gonna do? What the fuck you gonna do, Frank? Huh? What you doing? You gonna shoot me in front of everybody? Huh? Come on. There we go. What's your thoughts on the scene when you first saw that? Oh, I quite like that. Ruthless. Ruthless, isn't it? It's a great yeah. message. Because so frequently in those scenes, we see the gun to the head. They tell them, look, you answer to me now. You do what I say. The other person backs down. It's very rare that we see them follow through in that situation. Particularly as Idris Elba's character, he's the first real... Um, I guess, pushback we've seen for Frank. Yeah. And so I think you kind of get the impression that he could be the kind of end boss that Mm. we need to maneuver our way around, that he's at least going to cause some trouble for Frank. Well, yeah, I guess. Fairly swiftly, (laughs) fairly swiftly he's dealt with. Gets rid of him, doesn't he? It's nice and simple. Uh, The walk away after he shoots him, by the way, is just mint. Do you... Do you think it fits in with the character that we know of Frank? There's some arguments for both sides. I think so. I mean, I think you're aware that the the bloke above all, he was just he was just a ruthless gangster. But we've already heard him say, kind of, you know, the loudest man in the room, and and all of this. And this is very like he shot someone in in, in the middle of the city centre or is it that this is him making his mark and who's going to tell on you after you've just shot someone in, in, the, in yeah. the open like that um, I get what you're saying about the loudest man thing but that's I actually think that action's the opposite that's that's not that's no words that's no fucking around that's gone I said I, I, I was here for something I came and achieved it 
Yeah. Denzel said that he had he had a great time conversating with Frank on the set and he yeah. said he was trying to get to grips of how do I deal in these situations? How, when this character is having to deal with betrayal around him and he ultimately told him he can't give him any advice because he didn't give anyone a second chance. He said all he repeated to him was, I only told you once. See? Ruthless. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall for some of those conversations. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. It would have, it, would, it would have been fun. I was reading some responses to the film and someone said that Idris Elba being shot is the most they've ever flinched in a movie. From memory, what's the most you've ever flinched in a film? City of God. Really? No, I'm joking. I don't know, but I did flinch a lot in that one in the scene where they shoot the kid yesterday. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on to that. That was yeah. a special scene. The one, a couple stood out to me. One we've done on here, the curb stomp in American History X. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I knew that. that was coming, but I didn't know it was coming like that. Yeah, I get you. Have you seen 127 Hours? No, I see you're talking about him chopping the arm off. Yeah, but not even specifically that, because I can deal with all the Saw films. There's a point in which he's going through the arm where it's supposed to... Uh, signify him going through the nerves mm. and the camera like twinges with him and that got me more than any horror slasher whatever i don't know why but that fit that more than anything else and the other one is um the, the new jackass film when they're testing out the uh strength of a cup and they get some pogo world champion to jump as high as he can and then land on the cup and he doesn't actually land on his balls he traps the skin on his thigh in the pogo stick and that had me nearly up the wall in the cinema oh yeah yeah stuff like that jackass when it's actual when you know people are actually getting hurt I assume <laughs> yeah. that's it. That, that would do a lot for me yeah other than that 127 hours probably like I, i've I jump a lot, but in terms of actually flinching, that would probably be the one. Yeah, fair. I don't know. I, I can't really... I don't know what comes to mind. Let's look at uh, another scene. Send his ass home. Hey, 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 hey. On, don't rub on that. You blocked that. You understand? That's alpaca. That's $25,000 alpaca. You blocked that shit. Right. You don't rub on Put the club soda on there. Alpaca. Mm. $25,000 on a rug and you got it you got it and <laughs> yeah. blot it I think that's one of them if someone spills that on your carpet I know a man of his position probably can't be seen to be doing that You've, that's one you can't be trusting someone else to deal with it he, the broker who spilled it gets iced yeah, yeah or you throw it out and get and get another one well I was going to say I'm throwing, I'm throwing the rug out anyway so What's the difference between one stain and two? So this, I guess, is where we do see some of his wealth, just the fact they do signify that. And it shows again, at this point of the film, he doesn't want anyone else to see it, does he? Because he's grilled yeah. his brother on wearing mm -hmm. a clown suit, as he describes it. Yeah. I think it may even be in the scene before. Mm, so yeah, it's probably not too far back. And then 
we go down the line, obviously, and he gets his fur coat. Mm-hmm. That I'd love seems... to put off a full fur coat. Yeah. <laughs> I think if we wore one, we'd look like uh, one of the blokes you'd see walking down the street in Saints Row. Correct. But I do wish I could. Or um, what are the cast members on the side in Sarsky and Hutch? Yes, probably. <laughs> what else have we got here? Blue Magic. That's a brand name. Like Pepsi. That's a brand name. I stand behind it. I guarantee it. They know that even if they don't know me any more than they know the, the, the chairman of General Mills. What I'm talking about is when you chop my dope down, the one, two, three, four, five percent, and then you call it blue magic, that is trademark infringement. You understand what I'm saying? Do respect, Frank. If I buy something, I own it. No, that ain't true. That ain't true. Car, I want to paint it. I can paint it. Yeah, but you don't have to. This is what I'm saying to you, Dick. You don't have to. It's good enough the way it is. You can make enough money off it the way it is just by calling it blue magic. Anything more than that is greed, son. What do you want, Frank? I'm going to change the name on it. I would have to insist that you change the name. You'd have to insist, Keenan. Did he have a point? Once he's bought it. Well, Frank, Frank's saying you ain't bought it. You leased it. Still mine. You're a franchisee. That's what he said. Blue Magic. I'm I'm McDonald's. You're a franchisee. (laughs) You still got to be called the Big Mac. We still need to find a way to do the founder on here at some point. With a McDonald's. Mm, I mean, we could do we could do a short bracket. We I mean we could we could do a bracket of financial films. Piece of piss. I could put sixteen together for you. There's so there's no way we can squeeze it in with rom coms. I mean, no. I mean, we could switch up. We could do a, do a little finance bracket. There's some good no, stuff I'm, in there. I'm I'm quite wedded to, pardon the pun, wedded to the rom-coms. I think it would be a nice uh, contrast to what we're doing here. Okay. Some uh, nice, breezy, 90-minute midweeks. It's a shame, really, because now that I've come up with the idea, I really quite like it. <laughs> well, you put something together and we'll uh, we'll take a look. Okay. I that thought... Blue Magic, I, I've not done the research here. Is that literally what Frank Lucas was actually calling it? Don't know. No idea. Because that, that even seems out in the open from what we hear. Well, I mean, drugs have names. A lot, a lot of them do. It's, it's just what you wanted to call it. It was, it was the real street name. Was it? Oh no, that's a that's a link to a that's a link to Breaking Bad actually. No, what's called Blue Magic? There you go. Hmm. All right, I got two more clips for you. You know what normal is to me, Richie. I ain't seen normal since I was six years old. Normal is seeing the police ride up to my house, dragging my little twelve-year-old cousin out and tying him to a pole. Shoving a shotgun in his mouth so hard they bust his teeth. Then they bust two shotgun shells in his head and knock his fucking head off. That's what normal is to me. Well, fuck about no police. Then I'm gonna fuck about no police now. Shit. You know what? You can do whatever you want to do. So it don't mean nothing to me for you to show up tomorrow morning with your head blown off. You understand what I'm saying? Unreal. Denzel could make you run for a wall. He's great. He's sensational, mate. 
If There's I had, actually no one better. If I had to ask anyone else to so say we're going back in time, Pacino's lost his voice, and they're saying we need someone to step in for the day and do the any given Sunday speech. Denzel stepping in. Yeah, fair. Unless you have a better suggestion for me. Um. Hmm. No, I mean I take it. I don't know about better, maybe different, but I don't think he does I it. Think. I don't think he does it better. I'm saying if Pacino can't do it, this is the next best option. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if I have a next best, next best no. option. Um, or a best, next best option, rather. I don't know. Yeah, I mean you'd take it, wouldn't you? You'd be very yeah. happy. Yeah. Um and then, I mean, there's there's one quote that stands above the rest. There's probably thousands of people out there. I cannot believe you spent your time putting that together. I, no, I didn't. I didn't. Um, you sure? That's straight YouTube, yeah. Okay. Um, there's probably thousands of people out there that have used that Denzel My Man gif and just have no clue that it's from this film yeah probably in terms of what you like and dislike about the film now the film with the extended run time is 2.57 without it I think it's about 2.43 yeah it's still long do you think, if you think of, okay, Heat is, I, I asked you when we did the Heat podcast, mm-hmm. could we cut any of this? If we're given, okay, we need to get this down to two and a half hours, how much can you cut? And you told me, I I don't see what you can cut. Maybe we said this the um, Natalie Portman scenes, but even then you were quite rightfully hesitant to do so. Mm-hmm. Do you feel the same way about this film? Um, for the most part, yes. I don't like. The, I mean, the point I'd make is you're you were asking a moment ago for sort of more expository stuff, a bigger world around it. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's it's, it's a story told on a scale, and it is is two. You're telling two stories, aren't you? Really. Heat, you're, he, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's like heat. You're telling the story of the great criminal and the story of the copper, and that's where it becomes hard. And then obviously you get your meeting of the minds. Yeah, a lot more so in uh, more so in this than you do in heat. I mean, heat they share, which they share in the last scene, but they only really share one other scene together. It's two thirty-three until they're they're on on screen together. Hmm. Uh, in in terms of the the heat comparison, I think it's similar in that they they try very hard to not present either side as the bad guy. They don't really want us rooting for either guy, but Denzel like eventually said, just wins you over. Yeah, he just because, does Denzel. I think we could have done with more background on Denzel than we needed with uh, Richie. I think a lot of the criticism you see on this is whenever Russell Crowe's on screen, I'm asking you, why can't we get back to Denzel? Because 
when you've got a guy who's building this incredible empire and then we're spending time in a, a, a child custody court case. Yeah. I get what you're saying. It's, it, it feels like, it feels like a long three hour film. Mm. I do think that, but it also feels like there could have been a lot more substance to it. That was my, my takeaway. I think when we've spoken about, I guess, Goodfellas is always the, the beacon you go to for a, two hour two thirty film and there's like I I couldn't cut a minute out of this film. No, I get you. And with this, I don't necessarily I feel the runtime is accurate as to what you need, but I think you you could have worked it better. I would have liked something I went back and rewatched about an hour and a half of this today. I was in work early as you know I get in early and then I watched a further forty five on my lunch. Yeah. I could have done with something where Frank is thinking, how can I get this across? And then he comes up with the idea to send it across in the military planes with the coffins. Yeah. Or I could have done with them finding and kind of working out and getting closer and tracking him down here. I could have done with an indication that a member of Frank's family was having issues and this is the guy that's going to be the liability. And then he come, they kind of just, we need a miracle here and they pop up outside his house and the next thing you know, he's trying to gun down his wife. I think the the crux of what we get is all right, but we could have the we could have worked the filler better in this. And I think Ridley Scott has tried to please everyone with the kind of perfect things you need in a crime film. Like he's not gone balls to the wall with the guns and the explosions and then he's given you the dialogue you need in these kind of cold tense moments and it was just everything else maybe they didn't feel that they had enough there to work around but just from an outside perspective so i thought i'd missed it in them explaining the coffin thing because that feels like quite a huge thing to leave out i I don't know if that bothered you at all if, if you thought about that at all it kind of just happens well yeah it's a couple of phone calls isn't it but i don't know again you don't i don't know how indifferent how different no is the answer no it didn't really bother me it was just i don't know if i need i don't know if i need six minutes of that process being explained not even explained but just the the difficulty of it i take that over russell crowe and his attorney saying fuck me like a policeman not a lawyer it's like what what are we getting from this because you're not he's separated from his wife it's not supposed to show me look this guy is perfect on the job but he's a really shitty person behind the scenes that's what we're kind of being painted the only real thing we're, we're supposed to see that makes him a shitty person is that he prioritizes his job over his kid he's not drinking he's not gambling he's not got any of the addictions he's not got any temptations he's slept with his attorney and his wife says that he should be prioritizing his kid which fair enough but that isn't the reason that means this guy's shit outside of his work life and this guy's great outside of his work life 
I felt it could have been built better, particularly when you've got Russell Crowe there and you've got Denzel. Because for all we've said about Denzel, I don't want us to disrespect Russell Crowe, not that we, we have, in that you've got two juggernauts there. Yeah. I just, he could have given me more. Okay. And having said all that, I do still really like the film. Yes, I do as well. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, mate. I'm not. So it's, it's nitpicking, is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm nitpicking here. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to say it, but yes, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like you trying to find something to talk about. No, the, the coffin thing, legit. I I rewound because, and I went back because I thought I must have missed this build up. And there when isn't it's a, any, but just when it's a, a a long film like this, and I was accused on a previous podcast, not by you, for being distracted by my phone if I'm watching or something. Mm. And I think this has the feel of a film. In the, I think you could put it in easy watch territory because it's not a tough one to follow along with. But I was questioning myself that I'd missed it. And so, I don't know, just swapping 10 minutes around and I'd have been far more satisfied because... Oh, maybe I'd like to see a bit more downfall of Josh Brolin, actually, because you've built him up as this real bastard. Hmm. And then we kind of, the walls are closing and he shoots himself. I don't like to see something a bit more, but that's just being fussy because I like Josh Brolin. Yeah, I get what you're saying. He's very good in this, by the way, as well. It's a very good cast. It is a fantastic cast, mate. Yeah, you're right. Cuba makes a a pop-up legend. T.I.? Yeah. I actually forgot T.I. was in this film. (laughs) (laughs) Missing out on the Yankees. I want to be like you, Uncle Frank. Yeah, probably a bit too old for playing that role, but yeah, he's he's eight years younger than his dad in the film. <clears throat> Fair enough. Yeah, I was just looking down the rest rest of the cast. I texted you at the time, Carla Gugino popping up. If I pronounced her name or Gugino. Yeah, I hadn't seen a lot of her in a, in a while. Never know her name, but. She pops up enough that you recognise her face. Yeah, that's pretty much it, isn't it? So, yeah. Pleased with the film. Where does it stack up for you? Can you put it in the conversation of... If I was saying to you, your Rushmore of gangster films, I don't expect it to be on your Rushmore. Would you have it in the conversation or is is it a couple of tiers below? It's definitely below. Like if, uh, if if I brought that name into the conversation, would that be a name you'd entertain, or would it be uh, fairly quickly? This this isn't going to be making it. No, it would get thrown out, but I'd, I'd let you explain it to me at least. I wouldn't have it on my rush board. I just wanted to see uh, where. What's we your What would pure gangster uh, films? What's I'd, your rush more? Um, Goodfellas, Scarface, yeah, yeah. Heat. I can't escape Donnie Brasco is there for me. But I know I'm missing something. I I need I need to give a Bronx Tale another watch. Pure gangster films, I don't think he qualifies. Okay, so that was that was a, uh, another question. See how 
I know I know there's definitely going to be some huge ones I'm missing. And I knew the second I started the conversation that that's where we were going to be going. I mean, do you have four right on the top of your head? Oh, yeah, I've no, not even mentioned the Godfather. Yeah, in no in no particular in no particular order. Uh, Goodfellas, okay, I've got mine. <laughs> Goodfellas, Scarface, Donny Brasco, Godfather two. Uh, Godfather one, Godfather two for Donny Brasco would be just below. Yeah, I'm taking Donny Brasco out, and I think the Departed goes in. No, give me God, give me Godfather two, give me Godfather one as well. Actually, one and two, I'm a purist. Because some would have Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs in that conversation. Don't think they're pure gangster films. Okay, that was what I wanted to get. They're crime films, but don't think they're pure gangster films. They're definitely crime films. That's why they're in this bracket. Mm. Yeah, Donnie Brasco, The Departed, could be interchangeable depending on my mood. Um, Although, I think it's quite clear to see which the better film is. And that doesn't make a lot of sense, but also does at the same time. Uh, it's um, like, do you know, like my love for a Bronx Tale. Yeah, Unfounded is is just a film I love. I think I expressed that quite when we uh, did it on a podcast. Um, but it doesn't for for gangster nostalgia and gangster elements. I don't think it quite makes my rush more, which is probably strange. Maybe Donny Brasso could come in in place of. In, in place in place of one of the Godfathers, I do love it. Yeah, and I, I was telling you, my love for Donny Brasco from before we were getting having these uh, deeper conversations, but mm. interesting to get see. Uh, I take the Godfather one over Godfather two, and I'm I probably maybe weird in that sense that I kind of wouldn't allow myself to have both in there. So that would be. Uh, it's funny you say that because I was thinking that as well. Yeah, so I'm allowing room for for another one. <laughs> so, there we yeah, go. Yeah, I get you. I mean, they probably could both equally be in there in their own rights. Yeah. Obviously. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but the answer to your question is no, I think I would, I don't, this would not make it. Any pushback in this film to the dog being killed? That's usually the stickler. I've not seen any criticism no, I weren't asked. And when there's about 100 Gs underneath, maybe you have you have some serious questions to ask. Mm. And I guess Brolin is a bastard the whole way through the film anyway. So Yeah, it's not like he's ever painted with a good, a good guy. No. I was just... Have we missed anything? Not that I can think of. Shall we move on? Yeah. Let's move on to City of God. 15 miles from paradise on the world's meanest streets. Two warring crime lords fight to control the city. Now, for one reporter, the only way out is to expose the story everyone wants to hide. Roger Ebert calls City of God one of the best films you'll ever see. Now it's nominated for four Academy Awards. City of God. Rated R now playing select cities. I can't tell you how much I hate that trailer. Because I think it just completely takes away from the seriousness what the film, the film is. Yeah. yeah, it's not just about this journalist exposing a story. No, that makes it sound a little bit President's Men. Because 
and I don't have the finer details here, so you'll have to take me as it, me kind of telling the story vaguely. There's a section in the Oscars in there for the best foreign film, and right. the Brazilian Film Institute, or whatever the name of that would be, submitted this film to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. It was rejected, not even given a second mention. It's then picked up and distributed in America. Yeah. And then that year just wins everything. And it's, it was no different film. There was nothing different about it. It's just that it became, it found popularity from people outside of uh, the Academy. Yeah. And it just shows how these things can go. And when you slap a trailer like that on it and you reel the people in, Rob, you got the wrong way a bit. You're almost at that point, you'd want to be like, well, don't, you didn't want it last year. But probably no, not. I, to that I, 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 I get what you're saying. Um, but there you go. So, in the slums of Rio, two kids' paths diverges. One struggles to become a photographer, and the other a kingpin. One of the easier questions I'll ask you what do you think the critics thought of this? Well, they went wild for it. <laughs> this Brazilian import is a dazzling achievement that marks Fernando Morelos as a world-class filmmaker. A powerful, darkly skewed coming-of-age film that peerlessly makes use of its obscure setting and striking authenticity. Obscure setting? It's setting fucking real de Janeiro. <laughs> a masterpiece of modern filmmaking... City of God is the very definition of cinematic lightning in a bottle. Each chapter is endowed with powerful, uncompromising, beguiling and sometimes deceptive momentum. What seem like innocuous turns become so critical to the narrative that they tie you into the ruthless idea at hand. You never see the bullet that kills you. Was this your first time viewing it or second? So it's my first time watching it from start to finish. Well, I mean, it's a rough one to flick on halfway through or walking on someone else watching. Mm, no, I don't, I'm not sure it is. There's well, certain it scenes you could you sit walk and watch. In, I guess. Yeah, certain scenes you could sit and watch. Like you're walking on, you walk out on, on the shootout on the street, you just sit and watch that. Yeah, but there's also a lot where you, well, what the hell are you watching here? Yeah, yeah, no, I get you, but like there are certain bits. I'd seen like I'd seen certain bits of it and seen seen clips and stuff, and I'd probably seen about half hour of it, um, like late one night. But no, it's my first time sitting down watching it from beginning to beginning to end. We kick things off. The film begins with an armed gang chasing after an escaped chicken in a favela called Cidade de Deuce. I hate the way that shot, by the way. What I'm going to ask you about this because the chicken stops between the gang and the narrator, a young man nicknamed Rocket. I, um, tonally, I couldn't work out what kind of film I was in for because I'd been with TK recording the World Cup podcast, which you'll see on the timeline now. And he was saying to me, You still got that to watch tonight? Oh, I could be a, a, a rough watch that dark in places. And then it's shot almost um, like a kid has dropped his ball and he's kind of chasing it down the hill and you're manoeuvring between people. Get, get that or whatever. Yeah. I I couldn't have dreamed the way that it was going to 
pan out from there. And then it was even shot. It's not too dissimilar to the opening scene. Remember we did Hostage? Not the most mm. memorable film, but the opening scene, and I said it was shot like a video game. Yeah. And this, I thought it's, it's shot quite, um, it's quite quirky in the way that it's done it. You've got the slow-mos and the kind of Matrix sound like whooshes as the camera flips over to see both sides. And Yeah. It's, it's it's very strange, and so I'm glad that that you said that. Is that the reason you don't like it, or some, a different reason? I just didn't. I, I just I can't. I the short shots and like the constant maneuver. I just it did. I just didn't like it. Just I was I was annoyed as I was watching. I was like, "Fuck's sake, this ain't what I'm in for for the next two and a half hours." <laughs> I knew I knew it wasn't because I knew there were clips where it wasn't like that. But I was like, "Jesus, is this going to be the bulk of it?" Um. It just, it was hard to settle into. Yeah, I think it's a hard film to settle into for the majority. Um, uh, I don't know. I, didn't, you, it, I think it slows down somewhat after that when they tell the story of the Tender Trio and stuff. I think it's just an uncomfortable film. For one, it sounds very uh, ill-educated here, but you have to look at it in a certain way because it's, it's subtitled. So you're giving it perhaps a different level of attention because you're really making sure you take it all in. You have um, to, yeah. You can't rely on, you can't, you can't rely on unless you'll speak fluent Portuguese, which yeah. I presume that you don't. Um, no. I, I certainly don't. So you, I have to, you, you, to follow the dialogue, you have to be paying attention to everything. Do you know what I mean? This film was never dubbed in English either, which I like. If if the director uh, feels I, that I like that as well, yeah. If the director feels it's not going to carry across the same way, I'll never forget doing the raid here. Jack coming on and saying the dubbed audio wasn't very good. <laughs> That's not a criticism. That's not no. a criticism of the film. No, the film was made in its native language. That it was made to be enjoyed in that language. Yeah, the only thing they have perhaps dumbed down is the translation of the names which i understand because we have to at least be able to identify who's who yeah by those very things yeah very very possibly um the soundtrack they throw in some they throw in some like random american tunes as well yeah country so, fighting was a weird one <laughs> yeah so i enjoyed I thought, it thought was interesting and we heard this on a far smaller degree with the Safties when they did Uncut Gems and Good Time. Mm. But with the trivia, we, we heard so much about they wanted unknowns. Obviously, yeah. they've got Sandler as the main guy, but kind of the filling pieces, like right down to Julia Fox, who's now a very recognisable face in her own right for various reasons. But mm. you have the others, Tommy Kominick, friend of the pod, and so on. Yeah. This, almost everyone here is a low-level actor that you wouldn't recognise or has never acted before in their lives. Yeah. Is, One... that, is that true of the Brazilian market as well? Yes. So what? Okay. So there was one actor, and I can't tell you who it was. Um, did I take it down? I'm pretty sure... Because yes, they're not recognisable to me, but that doesn't mean they're not a star. No, so one of the the stories is that one of the actors in here took a role just before, so they'd been casted in this, but but they hadn't finished filming yet. And it blows up. 
Okay. And they had to have some serious discussions about whether they would allow him to be in the film because they oh, said wow. they didn't want it to ever be able to detract from the realism okay. and everything they feel. It wasn't a film, actually. It was a uh, theatre production. So it was a play over there. But he, okay. it was very recognisable. Like yep. tens, hundreds of thousands of people had seen it. Okay. And they said that his performance was so good that you wouldn't recognise him at all. Okay. So what's the guy's... It's something Ned, isn't it? Um, Knockout Ned. Yeah, I think it was him. Okay. And they said that. But right down to these kids, and we mentioned it earlier, so I mean, we can get straight to that one. The scene with the kids being shot. Yeah. That kid's never acted before in his life. Well, the one who's crying? Yeah. No, honestly, I was almost in tears. He's been picked off the street, offered yeah. the role in this, and they said, to kind of tell him how to get into it, they said, what are you most scared of? And the kid told them, toothache. Mm. And he said, well, now imagine that toothache is in your foot and it's the worst toothache you ever had. And they just said they couldn't believe it. This this kid then just puts in like, the performance of a lifetime. Yeah, this kid, I don't know if he went on to be, but that kid should have gone on to be a star. Because so frequently when you have kids crying in films... It's, it's annoying as shit. Well, it's not ever really like a loud sob like children mm. actually do. Yeah, you usually get like a little sniffly one, and they'll be looking up with their eyes, and they'll zoom in on like a tear dripping down because they can't ask them to do too much, as you've just said, without it just being annoying. Yeah, like a whingy, like tantrumy mm-hmm. cry. This one here, he's tapped into some kind of place. Oh, mate, it's one of the saddest, saddest things you'll ever see. It's wildly unnecessary as well. Well, because we spoke. I'm not sure there's we... ever like a necessary time to shoot a child, but like, no, <laughs> as like as like punishments go, the, it, it's just 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 what we spoke when we did Sicario, I believe it was in that. Yeah, very rarely you'll actually see. Oh yeah, the yeah, child yeah. gets shot. Like yeah. usually, you'll pan away and it'll be in third. This, yeah. I mean, fitting in with the rest of the film, they just go for it, and it's supposed to. It's almost. The film's about two hours, ten long. Mm. I'd say every 25 minutes or so, you have one of these that's, this is like another level of darkness or just, you've got the scene in the motel. Yeah. You've got... um, The The little kid lad, by the way, little little dice, laughing (laughs) after he shoots that bloke (laughs) and shoots that bird. Yeah. Uh. Like... Yeah, this this lad's going to be a serial killer. Uh, yeah, you've got the woman being raped, obviously. Yeah, right at the end of the film, you've got the close up with him having like fucking sixty bullets in him. Yeah, and so they do it, and it's periodical. So it's every time that you can maybe settle into understanding these characters. Yeah, and because you've seen these so often, you get to the point where the two characters cycling alongside each other. Yeah. I was waiting for something to happen. So was I. Like I he was, was leading him somewhere or yeah. he was going to shoot him in the back. Yes. Or so something like that. The exact same thing. And so it has the required effect. It's, it's just this uh, 
inevitable like cycle of revenge that just goes the whole way through it. And so this feeling of doom. I, I again, not being involved in a lifestyle in any way, shape or form, but you assume that cycle of revenge probably plays to the realism, realism of it now. Yeah. Well, I've, I've wrote this down here. I saw an interview with the filmmaker. He said the director was quoted as saying that if he knew the dangers of filming the movie in a real favela, he wouldn't have done it. I feel like... we're a long way away, Keena. <laughs> yeah, if you offer me a chance to go and shoot in a favela in Rio, I'm probably <laughs> going to say no. They actually had to. They actually had to move. Um, it was they were going to shoot initially in the Cidade de Deus slum that the film is actually set in. Yeah, and then realised very quickly it was too dangerous, and so they yeah. shot in a neighbouring less dangerous area, which was still incredibly dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Well, what a surprise! Like you, some of the little details, like the scene where the gang prays before the war they're about to go into. Yeah, some young boy who was in a gang approached the director and said, "At, at what point are we going to pray?" Mm. because before any kind of confrontation, that's what we would do. And the director says to him, if that's what you do, you lead this now, I'll get this on camera. And it's just another one of those small details yeah, that just works the way through the film. Um, the two main actors, Alexander Rod- Rodriguez and uh, Leandro Firmino, yeah, We've got the opposite to the hangover here, I'm afraid to say. They were given the option to get paid uh, the equivalent of $3,000 up front. Yeah. Or take a percentage of the box office. Yeah. Obviously, having no idea how successful the film would be or even how this business works. Yeah, they took the money. They chose the upfront payment. Um, even if they were only getting 1% of the box office, and we believe they were offered more than that. Mm-hmm. they'd have received over 25 times more than what they got. Ah, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Yeah, I, I hope they were reimbursed in some way. Yeah, so do I. But if they weren't, that's the deal you signed up for. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, rough. Um, yeah. The 1960s scene, so they take us straight back. Yeah, we've got this favela being shown as like a newly built project yeah. with a few resources, and we're introduced to the tender trio. Mm-hmm. They're far from tender. They start robbing business owners, and they share the money with the community, the gas or whatever, who in turn just yeah. hide them from the police. Yeah, we've then got this strange conversation revolving around a banana. Yeah, which. <laughs> Knocked me off guard. Uh, fair enough. And then, I mean, the next thing we know, we get shot off said banana. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's downhill. From that the fact that's not a standout moment in the film probably tells you how we're going. Yeah. Lil Dice convinces them to hold up a motel, mm-hmm. rob the occupants. They shot that in a kind of live working motel at the time and were surprised that they did get complaints from various people staying there as to the gunshots they were hearing. Yeah. 
It's not that. It, I, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say if I was just trying to sit, chill out for the evening, I'd be buzzing. You walk in the lobby and you've you got this There's little just kid. dead people everywhere. Yeah, just trying to check in, mate. Yeah, yeah. The little kid walking around um, all them bodies. And then I guess it in that fella, we got all the little things, haven't we? Um, that massacre attracts all the police attention. And those scenes are good. Yeah. Should we question the police that they don't look up a tree? It doesn't appear to be many leaves on the tree. Like if they literally look up. Do you naturally look up though? No, maybe not. I mean, I hope so. If I was a policeman and I'm going into the jungle, then there's only so many maybe. places you can hide there. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it is, it is pitch black. Yeah, fair. Don't have torches, do they? No. I think... This is bold. Outside of the scene that we've already mentioned, I think these are the best collaborative scenes in the film in terms of following them from start to finish. I think the storyline is the most clear. I think the development is the most clear. And it does a good job of setting the scene as to who these characters are, the places that they're living in. Yeah. These were my favourites, but I don't know. We we go into the 70s. That must have been rough for you, because I've done after about 18 minutes. Oh, well, it wasn't like uh, we did Place Beyond the Pines last week, and there's people saying, after Ryan Gosling died, I didn't want to watch the rest of the film. It wasn't like that, just when no, I was reflecting I, at the end of the film. I wasn't too far away from that camp, but... You said you like Ray. I do. I'm just my boy. Well, R.O.P. But... The Gosling part, did I not say last week, was by far and away the best bit? Yeah, but I, was, I think it was the best bit in this film, but I also didn't mean that I wanted to turn it off. Mm. Um, the, maybe the biggest villains of the film, Rocket has worked his way in with Angelica. Sure. Next thing you know, the runts come across. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what happens to her in this moment because... So something something happens in that kiss that she's like, no, I think I'll be all right, actually. <laughs> Never a good look when he's chasing chasing her down immediately after, is it, as she stands up? No, it's not great for him. Um, I mean, on that basis, if you're on that basis, the biggest villain in the film is Benny. He yeah. gets introduced, Rocket takes him under his wing in this new, new group of mates, and actually, now he's snaking his bird. Yeah, piece of work. Disrespect. Just fact, try and give him a camera, though, to make it all better. Yeah, the fact that we see that kiss on the cheek on the front cover, I thought their story was going to be a far bigger piece of the film. Yes. But I guess it just looks cool on the cover. Yeah, I get you. Lil Dice, at this point, has now established a drug empire with Benny. He's eliminated <laughs> all of the competition. Frank maybe should have done that in uh, American it. That montage of him just fucking... I mean, I love a montage. And a montage of people getting <laughs> shot. Just fucking people up. People dropping <laughs> into puddles. People dropping over fences. They're getting work. Yeah, he's just mowing his way through. Apart from Carrot. He's burning his front. Yeah. What do you think about the... To general, the closing segments of the film. So the, the segment in which he starts to work... His photos are picked up, snatched by someone else that works at the paper. Yeah. 
And then we've got this almost like American Pie segment for the end of the film, where the bloke's just trying to get his end away. He didn't work with Angelica, and now he's just any means necessary. <laughs> um, he's moved away from moved away from the crime a little bit, and ultimately he's still a young he's still a young lad, and that's basically a cracking up. Yeah, and this, can I get this... some money in my pocket? Can I can I can I get can I get some wrapped around me? <laughs> and this woman offers him a hot shower, and there we go. Of your uncle, yeah. So at the start of that scene, actually, when we hear him talking to Marina about how he's never taken a hot bath, mm-hmm. that that wasn't scripted. That's actually just them talking off camera during a pause in the shooting. And oh. the director continued rolling the camera and the boy's just telling her about his life. Oh. Hmm. World, world's apartment, isn't it? So, yeah, shows you, um, I guess, how real the people yeah. that they've uh, recruited for the film is. This then is a lot more cut and dried, isn't it, this sequence of the film? We've, we've very clearly established that he is good at this stage, like there's no, he's hanging around, he's sticking in. And the, I mean, the bad's been quite clear from the start. Yeah. When they're saying to him, he's just said, you've killed me. Mm. I said, but can you maybe stick around a bit longer? <laughs> yeah. And he gets charmed and then, Boy, does he complete his mission when he's told you will get paid for this? Yeah. What option do you take? Do you take the? Do you take the? I can go and be famous, get on the cover of the magazine. Or do you take the job at the paper? You got to take the job at the paper there. Not the money. What? I can't have camping in a field, so that lifestyle isn't going to be for me anyway. I'm not going to be lasting any time at all. Yeah. So anywhere that gets me closer to comfort, so maybe I do take the money. Just mm. make sure I pick a good motel to stay at. Yeah. You'd take it and run, wouldn't you? Yeah. That sequence, we spoke about it with Limitless to go back there. And we said that when you do the whole, this is how I got here, you're wondering how I got here. Mm-hmm. we don't like that to be the end of the film. It needs to be probably final third, but there still needs to be something after that. Yeah. Um, kind of how they do it in, I mean, they do it in Casino as well as various other ones. Mm-hmm. This time around, there is obviously, we go quite significantly from there. This guy yeah. has a mission to do. He takes himself off to the side and it's a great sequence seeing this back and forth with him getting the shots in the background. Yeah. Yes, it is, yeah. Uh, even the bit with the coppers and then him taking the shots of, of your man getting iced by the, by yeah, the little kids. really good. I Maybe it's just a, a standard thing with cameras and we'll see if we're on the same wavelength again. I assumed the flash was going to go off at some point and that was, <laughs> that was where we were going here. Yeah, and he was just going to turn around and was just going to shoot him. Yeah, anytime someone's slightly taking pictures, the flash always goes off. And yeah. earlier, like a five minutes before... Um, the guy at the paper said to him, do you know how to work the light? Mm-hmm. And I thought they were teeing it up, but fortunately yeah, not. Well, it turns out he said look, he was about it, and he was. Knew his craft. 
Yeah. Do you call it a happy ending in this film or is there no such thing? I mean, everyone's pretty much dead, mate, to be honest. He manages to escape. Uh, The kids are happy. They're buzzing. They're running. They're about to start running a favela. They're putting a list together about what competition they want to take out. The director said that even at the age of those kids, as soon as they were told that at the end of the film, they're the ones in charge, they were asking for a sequel to be made. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, they did make a sequel, didn't they? Did they? I don't know if they did. Uh, yes, I made a TV show, and then they eventually made a sequel to the film. Same director? or? Uh, yes, but a different storyline. I doesn't know he's actually... done other films, but I didn't know if it was... Yeah, so he made a film called City of Men, uh, made a TV show, and then a... Okay. Not sure what the TV show's on, actually, but the film's about something different. Same place, but just a different different storyline. Did you find the film easy to follow with the um, kind of interwebbing narratives? We're going back and forth a few times. I for yeah, yeah. Uh, once I got my head around who was who. Yeah, yeah. Not in an horrible way, but once I got my head around. So the at the start, actually, would attend the trail when they're talking about different, they're throwing names everywhere. I was like, I don't, what, what's going on? And then when it flicked forward to the seventies, and they were on about Z and Benny, that became quite clear. He gives you the these are the people. Yeah. Obviously, he has his party when he's eighteen. He's, they're talking about the rackets, and they, I thought, oh, he's just going to jump between again. And then they make it really simple because they just knock out after they knock out after gangsters. Yeah. So, I, all right, well, you ain't got to worry about half of them. I wasn't a huge fan of the narration, mainly because it just felt like there was a lot of it, and I'd have preferred to see it kind of play out for what it was but that's that's a whole separate that's a whole separate thing you're basically making a different film at that point so yeah that's just personal thing rather than a criticism um where do you put it in terms of rewatchability because as we've said heavy film yeah the i mean the clips that i'd seen before it was, it was fine to rewatch but they none of them were particularly heavy Am I, am I going to sit down and watch it anytime soon? Probably not. Um, but it's not because I didn't enjoy it. But like you say, it is a heavy. It is a heavy watch. And the problem is, unless you watch it multiple times, and I know exactly what's happening at what moment, I'm going to have to. It's it, this is a rewatch where I'm going to have to pay exactly as much attention as I yeah. did last night the second time around. My my last question. How is Rocket DJing in the nightclub? I don't know where he gets that from. I basically, <laughs> well, no, I think it's basically he's Benny's boy, isn't he? And he gets he, about. He, uh, he's they just basically say Benny does what he wants. He's the coolest guy in the neighborhood. Everyone loved him. Yeah, he... you take Benny from this or Benny from the Bronx? You know my thoughts on him. <laughs> We don't often meet a character called Benny, so I thought I'd throw it in there. No, I mean... Do you remember me? If I was casting for a Mario film, maybe. <laughs> Still don't take him. Oh, fair enough. Well, it turns out they did, weren't going to either, so... <laughs> no. Um, anything else to add on this before we uh, get to the judging? <sighs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, it was... 
it really surprised me, and and in in a positive way as well. Um, because I know everyone raves about, it and you think, oh, it'd be good, but it was just so different to what it was. Di- it was yeah, it was different on the whole as to what I thought it was going to be. Because like I said, I'd seen clips, but that, a lot of that's just someone getting shot, and without context, that could that could be almost anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is the thing because obviously we've spent more time on American Gangster. I don't want it to feel like I'm doing this and in, a disservice. No, I don't. I don't. It's, it's easier it's to just... break apart American Gangster than it is with this one, and yeah, I think it's sometimes the detriment to doing the podcast like this. But we'd be doing it a very different way if we solely did films that we both loved and we yeah. wouldn't discover any of these new ones. And I think this, no, exactly. like I said, with the Bronx Tale. Um, I feel like I have a, a, a new appreciation after a couple more watches, but we go here mainly if we've not seen it before, it's off our first reactions to it. And my first yeah. reaction was, I need a bit longer to process this because there's just so much that I've just taken in. Yeah, I, I think it's, I don't know, it's it's so, it's it's, oh, it's, it's hard to, and for a podcast, it's a fucking awful thing to say, but it's just hard to, like you say, it's hard to describe You'd have to see it. I thought with so you'd have to watch it to understand it. I was pessim I was pessimistic in when you hear about how shocking and yeah, and when you then you see it's from two thousand and two, things have changed. And we've said about how the blood that was deemed a lot in the in the nineties now you see that in like a twelve rated film these yeah. days. And so I was skeptical as to. How shocking can this be? And it does show that you don't need the biggest, baddest effects and someone's head coming off and flying. Like, yeah. It can just be like even um, the scene where Angelica is raped, and this is by no means um, like a criticism. I mean, in this bracket alone, we've had to, what was it, a history of violence and. Um, you know, the other one, uh, Viggo Mortensen, that we didn't like, Eastern Promises. Mm. We saw worse in those that didn't feel nearly half as jarring Yeah, while watching them. And so there's ways to do these and to make it as shocking. And none of this felt like it was shocking for shock value's sake. No, that's, and I think that's the, that's probably the compliment that, that that's probably the compliment he deserves, actually, in that, it's gritty and as as dark and as like you say, as shocking as it is, none of it feels out of place or feels gratuitous. It feels yeah. as though it's of of its moment and it's I put was... together for it. Barring, like I said, I did it yes, fine. I don't like the way the opening shot, but that doesn't take away from any of the rest of the film. It's put together for for the film. It is. I mean, I, I mean, it's pretty. It's put together pretty much perfectly, right? Yeah, I think you can save using words like gritty for films like this because it's used so frequently. Yeah. And you almost go, oh, when you see it for something like this. And then, I mean, that's probably a perfect way to describe it, like gritty and raw and all of these yeah. things. Um, All right. Which of these two films did you prefer? Uh, After all that, I, I still prefer American Gangster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. But I just don't want to do it in this service. But American Gangster, you've got a cast, you've got you've got two actors in there, especially that I love, and a third that I think a lot of in, Ru- in Russell Crowe. Um, 
you uh, you've got a setting that we all know and yeah, love yeah. in New York, except and a time period that, from for many different reasons that every we're, we're attached. I mean, they're set in the same time, but if you ask me ask me for what was going on in seventies New York, I might not know a lot, but I, bet I could tell you more so than I could about seventies Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. Um, rewatchability the same. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Best moment slash scene. Moment slash scene. I, I love the shootout in the street where Knockout Ned dies in City of God. Okay. But it was where he's taking the photos. I thought that was, I'd never seen it. I've not really seen anything shot like that. And I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. That scene, I mean, I was watching this very, very late last night. Yeah. And that had, that had me literally sitting up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I did the exact same thing. Yeah. Like, Blimey, well, this is this is a lot. Yeah. Best quote. Uh, <clears throat> uh if you, uh, what was it? If you stay here, if you, it's the one at the beginning of City of God, which I can't because it was in Portuguese. But it was, if you stay here, it gets you. Try and get out, it gets you. If you, if you stay here, it gets you as well. So it's wow. a perfect summary of the film. I've quite literally got my man. I get what you're saying. I didn't. Want, <laughs> I, I didn't just want to do that, but I know what you mean. MVP. Right. Uh, it, it's it's Rocket, right? Yeah, Frank goes down. It's Rocket Frank or leads. Richie, but Richie's Richie's on a losing streak, so he's trying to fight his way back. Yeah. Uh, find a million, hunt it back in. Oh, I, mm. I like that constantly being brought back up. And then Frank's in, what would you do it a second time? <laughs> and then the next thing you hear is bribery. Yeah. I do, in terms of favourite scene as well, his interrogation where Frank's going off is awesome. Yeah. Best side character? Brolin. Agreed. Strongly. So, as this is ben, in the... Benny uh, gets a bit, though. Later on. More powerful Don. Frank Lucas... Yeah. A little dice. Frank Lucas. Yeah. Better dressed? Frank Lucas. Best soundtrack? Interesting one. Because I really like the soundtrack in City, the soundtrack in City of God. Something to um, quash as well. There's a belief with some people that Jay-Z, the, the Jay-Z American Gangster album kind of yeah. coincided with this. No, what happened was... Denzel gave Jay Z a screening of the film. Yeah, Jay Z came out of it so blown away that he just went and wrote an album with American Gangster in the background, and then sampled it on multiple tracks. Like they, there wasn't an affiliation yeah. until Jay Z made it one. Okay, I always thought it was. I was one of those who thought that's just what it was, exactly no. what it was. Yeah. If it was, if it became partnered, it was after the fact. Like it wasn't a planned thing. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I see you, God. Agreed. Originality. See you, God. Yeah. Bigger impact. See you, God. Agreed. Best opening scene. Uh, American Gangster. Agreed. Best ending. American Gangster. 
Agreed. Chemistry? Uh, probably American Gangster. I'll go City of God there, but I wouldn't <laughs> argue either way. Um, why is it a close one? Both films were heavy winners. All right, it was 7-4 in the end. The most popular scoreline of this bracket. And yet 7-4 to American Gangster goes through to the next round. Oh, Denzel Chan. Has Denzel ever lost a, like an opening round? Um, just looking up and down the list of what we've done this time around. The equaliser got through. Training day got through twice. You may have made a good point. I love for Denzel is unmatched. Yeah, and he's never won, has he? No, but he did win best scene once, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same scene he could win again this time. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Okay, yeah, so um, American Gangster goes through to the next round. Safe House against LA Confidential is next up on the list. Ever seen him? I've seen both previously. Yeah, uh, I need to. I would need to give Safe House a proper watch. Tried to watch it once when come over and fell asleep after about half hour. Spacey back on, back on the screen. I mean, should we just do the precursor now? What well, we don't agree. With yeah, great idea, dick bloke. That's <laughs> like, uh, uh, what we we've boiled it down now to a soundbite. Sound yeah, that's just my. It's a quote. Look, it's a great idea. I'll play it. I'll press the button alongside um, the intro. Maybe we should. And just right, look, before we go any further, <laughs> yeah. here's Keenan's thought. Here's Keenan, Keenan as, as a message expressing our thoughts on Kevin Spacey. Great actor, dick bloke. Yeah. Well, there we go. Um, thank you again for listening to another edition. As I said on every other podcast this week, keep an eye on our timeline. Keep an eye on spitballingpod.com. We'll have plenty throughout the World Cup. Also, see you here next week for Movie Madness. Adios. <laughs>